Hey, what's up? What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Slizzy, and I got my guy, Mr. Alex Collins <laughs> from Nick's Film School. How you doing, brother? Hey, man. Uh, I've been doing good. It's just been a long day. Uh, Nick's Twitter just kind of exploded with all the, the head coach uh, news. I don't know if you saw it. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, um, the new Spurs assistant. Is is on the list as well. Yeah, there's a few of them. There's um, so I think it's I've tried been trying to keep track of it, but looks like so far we're up to about eight candidates for uh, who are going to be getting interviewed for the head coaching position. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I I like it, but I want the Knicks to be fair. Don't be interviewing all these candidates, and then you still choose Tom Thibodeau. Oh yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, as well. I, I'm. I hope. I hope they're doing due diligence and not just doing. Um, you know, like not just doing token interviews. Uh, like a lot of the names that have been that have been uh, listed so far, like they're they're pretty good. Like I'd be happy with almost any of them. It's it's only really the odd couple that like I'd have questions over. Um, so like it looks like so far we have. Um, there's Pat Delaney from the Magic, um, Becky Hammond, I'm Udoka from the Sixers, Kenny Atkinson, Tom Thibodeau, Thibodeau Chris Fleming from the Bulls, uh, Mike Woodson, and Mike Miller. That's all. That's all that I have that I've been I've been trying to keep up to date with it because it's kind of exploded in the last hour or so. Honestly, um. I'll take any coaching candidate right now. I feel like after watching David Fisdale for about a year and a couple of games this season and then being introduced back to good basketball by Mike Miller, anybody's an upgrade at this point. My only my only thing is I need, I, I kind of want to coach with experience because I don't want a David Fisdale part two. But right. at the same time, I want us to, I want us to hit on a coach like how you hit on a draft pick. I want us to have that coach where he steps on the scene, and we win forty games next season. I'm I, I'm not really interested in lottery picks after this year, to be honest. Have Have you not seen the next year's uh, draft class? <laughs> it's like the <laughs> best draft class in a long, long time. I know. I want the opposite. I, I want to lose games next season. Unless, like, okay, like, if we, if we, like, if we get a really good head coach and, you know, RJ becomes, like, a fringe all-star and Frank becomes, like, an excellent rotation player and we make the playoffs, okay, that's cool. Um, but, like, realistically, you know, I think, I think we're still, like, several steps away. And uh, if we could just keep building the foundation of an actual good team to come, then I don't mind if we're towards the top of next year's, uh, you know, the top of uh, like a high seed in next year's draft because some of the names in next year's draft are just ridiculous. Um, led obviously yeah. by yeah. by Kay Cunningham, who uh, if you've watched him play, he he's very Doncic esque. So um, no, I I'm all about you know continuing the rebuild and hopefully. Losing a couple extra games if if we're nowhere near the playoffs. I, honestly, you don't really. How can I say this? Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook at a point in time was three and thirty from what. 
it takes a slow process and a slow grind. We won 21 games this season. Who's to say we don't win 30 to 35 games next season? We call it progress because you were only going up from 17 wins. So, um, the, the, like, you don't necessarily have to tank anymore, thanks, Adam Silver, because of the way that the lottery odds is flattened. So it's uh, not, I, I completely it's, disagree with that. But because <laughs> <laughs> you, you see, the thing is, the thing that people don't understand is yes, the odds are flattened, but you you're still capped to how far you can fall depending on how you how how you are in the actual lottery. So you know the the Warriors can't go past the fifth pick. So if you look at next year's draft. And you see how stacked it is at the top, and you're telling me I can basically guarantee a top five pick in that draft where I'm getting like a Jalen Green or a Kate Cunningham or a, uh, like a Scotty Barnes. I don't know if he's he he was consensus like top five early on. I've I've now watched a lot of his high school games, but like if you could tell me that I I have like a hundred percent chance at a top five pick next season and. You know, like I have, okay, like only a 14% chance at number one, but like I have like a 60% chance at like top four, top three. Like I'm I'm taking that all the, you know, every day. Like I'm, I'm sorry. This whole thing, the tanking isn't an effective strategy anymore. It's, it's just I couldn't disagree with it more. That's just me though. It, it, it's not you – know, what's crazy about the Knicks, man, I think we the only goddamn NBA team that does this. It's like – we don't even tank. No, I've we've never tanked. The Knicks have never tanked. I've I've argued with people on Twitter about this. The Knicks have been bad unintentionally. It's never been intentional. Yes. The only time it's ever been yes. intentional is when, like, a KP got injured, and they're like, "Well, we may as well lose games to end the season." But at that point, you're already too far into actually trying to make the playoffs and failing. That you end up with a Knox yep. instead of like a Doncic, you know. You know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? When when that draft occurred, I was saying, "Yo, why the hell don't the Knicks trade up to go get Doncic or one of those guys? I could settle for Kevin Knox. Trade up, like sometimes you gotta go get your guy. I don't want the Knicks going into this draft." With scared money. Scared money don't make no money. If you got to trade up to go get your guy, please, by all means, trade up. We don't want, for me personally, I don't want the Knicks drafting another project. I already got Kevin Knox. I already got Frank Nellikina. I'm good with those two. I need a guy who's going to come out the gate. Bang. He's going to give me double-digit points. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of projects in this year's draft. It's not like a brilliant uh, draft class. So... You know, like you know, like Lamelo is he is he a surefire thing? Like I don't know that he is. You know, I know he's the consensus number one, and honestly, you know, I've kind of been swayed now to where I like I had I had concerns about him early on, but I just I kind of trust in what people I respect are saying about him now that his shot will improve, his defense will improve, but like I don't think he is. He's not like a Zion from last season where you just knew. Yeah. No. You knew he was like a surefire thing. You know, Lamelo is still kind of like, even as the number one pick, the consensus likely number one pick in the draft, he's still very much a project in my eyes anyway. And like when you actually look at the top of this year's draft, I don't know who is the one guy who's like, 
he's an immediate like impact player. Like maybe like maybe like an Obi Toppin would be, you know, you pretty much know he's going to give you a good offense straight away. But then his defense is horrible, and he's like, uh, I don't know, like he, he's like a cartoon character that he's just very top heavy, and he looks like he's about to fall over at any moment. <laughs> uh, like or like an Anthony Edwards will give you like even Anthony Edwards, his his skill set is. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of it, but you know, then there is other concerns about his effort and stuff like that. You know, like I don't know that there's in this draft class that there's like a you know, he's a person you know is gonna give you something from day one immediately. You know what I mean? It it, it depends on this draft is it just depends on where they're drafted. That's all I all I could say about that. Like it it depends on who it, it depends on who's drafting, where they're drafting, and what they need. For example, if the if the Detroit Pistons get a top three pick, I'm pretty sure they're going to either pick Lamella Ball or Killian Hayes. Or if you get a team like Golden State, I'm pretty sure they're going to pick Wiseman or Anthony Edwards. It, it, it's just a where you're drafting and who you're drafting. But as far as the Knicks is concerned, I believe it's who's the coach as well. When I look at certain prospects, I think of when I think of Tibbs, I think Tibbs would pick Anthony Edwards over Lamelo Ball, as the where Kenny Atkinson would pick a Lamelo Ball over Anthony Edwards. I'm just looking at the guys thinking about how they coach and, and their personality and who they would pick. Right. Yeah. Well, there was reports that that the Knicks are basically all in on Lamelo. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did try and trade up for him, uh, regardless of the coach. Um, like I know Tibbs. Yeah, you're right. Like Lamelo's not really like he's not. He doesn't really fit the mold of what you consider to be like a Tibbs player. Um, but I do think like you know, like it's it's. I think there is kind of like consensus that like if they can get Lamelo, they'll get Lamelo. And then yeah, like I do, I do see what you're saying. Where like the head coaches do pl- like factor in the further down the list you go. You know. Um, it's going to be really interesting. Like it's it's hard, it's hard to do like mock drafts or anything like that. And um, that's that's actually the one thing that has changed with the changing of the lottery odds. Mock, mock drafts are essentially pointless until the actual draft happens because there's so much room for fluctuation in where teams can pick. That you know, like you, mock drafts are essentially worthless now. You're pretty much better off doing um like a big board. Um, just yeah. like where players can like who who is like your tier one guys who are your tier two guys because the, just the way the draft goes it's there's too much fluctuation now you can't like you can't rel- like predict where a team is going to pick like so when people ask me like who do I think the Knicks should pick it's like uh, it depends like if you know they get the number one pick if they get the number you know nine pick you know it's, there's a lot of room for fluctuation there yeah. I definitely agree. Louder will Um let's get let, let let's get into the <laughs> let's get into the next topic. There's a top is it this is a topic I discussed with my podcast co-host last part last part I put up. And it's the James Dolan topic. And this is a topic amongst Knicks fans where it got a group is a certain group of Knicks fans defending Dolan. And then you got the other group who's just totally finished with Dolan. What I want people to realize is you need to separate some, you need to know when to separate someone from being a racist 
and someone being being a bad owner. It's two separate things. Got to separate those two. Dolan, on this Black Lives Matter movement, I did not expect, just, just for me personally, but I did not expect for the Knicks to put out a statement. Maybe I was being ignorant to the fact that I should be mad or very pissed off that my company, my team, did not put out a statement faster than what they did. But my argument for that is I've never seen the Knicks put out a statement on anything that has happened before as far as certain things of this nature. What I do know that what I do know is James Dolan being my Knicks basketball owner. I do know that he has hired a lot of minorities. I know that. I know that he does have the first Mexican-American on his staff. I know that. I know that he also had an all-African-American front office. So I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to place James Dolan in an area where he doesn't need to be. My only beef with James Dolan is he trusted, he trusts the wrong people. And he has done it for the past 20 years. So maybe Leon Rose is a breath of fresh air. But as far as the Knicks is concerned, yes, they should have put out a statement earlier. And yes, it's the statement that they did put out. It should have had more detail, more in-depth of what they was going to do. And... Yeah, like, I'm I'm just, I'm not mad at Dolan right now. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just how, how I feel. How do you feel about it? All right, well, like, I don't think uh, James Dolan's a racist. Um, I think he's, you see, I think uh, Dolan is a, he's a billionaire. Um, and I don't think he really understands how, like, normal people live day to day and I think that's fairly typical of most billionaires to be honest I like I think they're very um disconnected from the rest of us in how we live day to day um you know like I wasn't happy with the statement that they put out or the timing of it um you know I think the the statement that they did put out was very much you know, it could basically be summed up with kind of like all lives matter. It's basically like how I would translate the spiel that he put out. Um, and, you know, like if he if he just included, like if he just said, you know, black lives matter, um, I think that would have meant a lot to people. Like, you know, you saw people like there was reports coming out that um, the actual MSG uh, employees weren't happy with the statement and that they they had had a meeting about it and stuff like that like it's not easy when you're um basically is being very much centrist on the topic of you know this police in the streets um basically using excessive force against uh protesters just protesting for people's right to live essentially um you know like basically i i understand that james dolan james dolan has you know he he has done a lot for um the league he's he's kind of been a um 
he's kind of been like a, a leader in terms of hiring African-Americans and things like that um, to front office positions. He has, and I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish that. Um, like I, I do think that he deserves credit for that. Um, but I do think it's like, I don't want to see people per, just personally. I don't want to see people holding it up against every single argument. Anytime he does anything wrong. Um, you know, like, I think that both things can be true, that he can have done good things for the African-American community in terms of hiring African-Americans to position of power, positions of power within the Knicks. And he can also be wrong about the statement he put out. Um, you know, like, that there is, it, it doesn't have to be one or the other. He doesn't have to be either he's a complete racist or he's a, you know, he's like, I, I compared him to, like I said, people were making him out to be like a Martin Luther King figure, you know, with like, oh, he's, he's wonderful for the African-American community. I think that there is middle ground there, middle ground there. Um, yeah. You know, as as for like people, people would, I imagine people who follow me on Twitter would think that I'm, um, I, you know, I could come across very harsh on Dolan as an owner. And I I do genuinely think he's, he's a terrible owner. Um, but as a person, in terms of like the actual caliber of human that he is, um, I I don't really hold anything too much against him um, compared to the rest of the owners in the league. Like I don't think he is this Donald Sterling esque figure. Um, I think the likes of Dan Gilbert, who makes his money through you know Quicken loans and kind of predatory practices of these uh, payday loans and things like that. Um, I think there are much there are much worse owners as just as human beings um throughout professional sports and throughout the NBA. Um and like you know, if if I can give Dolan credit, um I will happily do that. I'm I'm a fan of this team. I don't like to uh shit on the Knicks. Um <laughs> but if if look I just I just trying to be honest with people like that 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 statement that the Knicks put out was weak. It was very weak. And he does, they deserve, they deserve, you know, for me to say, look, this is weak, you know, and like people can get a little bit defensive about it sometimes, but like, I'm, you know, I'm just speaking what I feel is the truth. Um, And, you know, I'm happy to give Dolan credit if I can. It's just that he doesn't give me that opportunity too often. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, Dolan. Mr. James Dolan. Gotta love Dolan, don't you? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Whoa. Look, he's, like I said, look, I'm not a fan of billionaire, billionaires in general. So as far as billionaires go, he's one of the better ones in terms of just as a human being, I think. It's just as an owner, he's he's driven me absolutely mad. Some of the decisions he's made are just, oh, Bro, he just really horrible. Made... He really made Scott Perry and Steve Mills do a press conference at the start of two. Well, even the even the Patty stuff, like with with like I I actually took Dol- like this this will show you where I I do try and be fair. I actually took Dolan's side on the whole Spike Lee incident. I thought Spike was blowing things way out of proportion. No, um, I'm still taking even- Dolan's side. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I am. I I am too. I think I'm. I'm totally on Dolan's side of of that whole situation. But like, even to put out the photo uh, 
where he ha- it showed him shaking hands with Spike at the game, like as a like uh, <laughs> a fuck you to to Spike after Spike said that he didn't shake hands with him. Like that is that is ultra petty. That is ultra petty. I would have did the same thing because Spike the Spike Lee <laughs> needs to kick rocks, man. My my dude, I understand you spent over ten million dollars in your lifetime for the Knicks. I understand he that. gets a lot, a lot of those tickets people. free. I I don't believe yes. that. There's no way in hell he's pay, he's paying for all of his courtside tickets all the time to every game. There's no way. He's the, so he's the only employee. He, bro, he was the only employee who didn't get the email James Dolan sent out that the entrance has changed. Yeah, fuck off. But even if, it, even if it did change, you're still using an employee entrance. Like, or you're still you're using an employee entrance. You really shouldn't be. And they offered you to use, like, a nice VIP entrance. Now, the way the whole thing, like... This was this happened ages ago, so I don't even know. Like, I don't want to get too much into this, but like, basically, they the way that they handled it was they really should have like you know like walkie talkie like call someone to say hey like Spike is coming or whatever, you know, in front of Spike so Spike knew you know oh once you get over there don't worry you'll be fine you know because he was worried that he wouldn't be able to get back in because they had already scanned his ticket. You know, like, just like, make, just encourage him that don't worry, you will get in the door, but you can't be using this entrance. This is an employee entrance. You have to go and use the VIP entrance. Like, imagine having to settle for a VIP entrance. My heart goes out <laughs> to Spike Lee. This guy here, man. Sick of Spike Lee. Um, well, I guess we could go into the, the, the next segment and talk about these two young guys. Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson. I guess we could start with Mitchell Robinson first. Okay. Here's my thing about Mitchell Robinson. The 74%, cool. You broke Will Chamberlain's record. Love it. Kudos to Mitchell Robinson. I don't really take no stock into the 74%. One, because it was on a 21-win team. Two, because it was only on dunks and lobs. Three, he didn't even start. <laughs> so, off those three alone, I really don't take no stock into it. But kudos to Mitchell Robinson. My issue with Mitchell Robinson is, and it ties into the Knicks as well. Can y'all please allow this man to shoot the fucking ball? It is 2020. I don't need my Knicks to be paying any center 18 plus million dollars and they cannot shoot the three ball. It is not 2010. It is 2020. You cannot ice pick and rolls anymore because big men can shoot the three. When R.J. Barrett is driving into the lane, I want him to have maximum room, maximum space. Just like how Kawhi Leonard had in the playoffs last season when they started Marcus All, and Marcus All was dragging every team's center out of the paint, which allowed Kawhi Leonard to get one-on-one every time. Because you cannot cheat off of Marcus All because he can hit the three. Now, all we see is videos of Mitch shooting, dribbling. I love it. But we're supposed to decline his fourth year on his contract to make him a restricted free agent. So we're going to have to pay him next summer. So since we're going to have to pay him next summer, I need to see improvement on the offensive side of the ball next season. I need to see a jumper. 
I need to see a three-point shot before we even think about paying him. Because I don't want him to get complacent like DeAndre Jordan, who did not want to change his game, and then tried to change his game when he turned 30 years old. I don't please, I don't want Mitchell Robinson to do that. I'm not going But I'm not going to say and say I'm giving him a max if he cannot develop his offensive game. Now, as far as Kevin Knox is concerned, I seen a report today where they was talking about how, you know, Leon Rose wasn't really sold on Knox. Well, how the fuck can you be sold on Knox when you played them about 17 minutes per game, when Mook was here, and then after you traded Mook, he only played about 15 minutes per game. So you lessened his minutes per game after Mook was gone and had subjected me to watch Reggie Bullock and motherfucking Mo Harkless. I don't ever want to see them starting as my small, small forwards again. That was disgusting, preposterous. I was paying for media streaming to watch that shit. I don't, I don't mind Ray, Reggie Bullock. I, I quite like Reggie Bullock actually. No, shooter no. construct. He's he's on a very reasonable contract. He's he'd be very he good is. like uh, inclusion in a, in a trade or something. Um, maybe on draft night or something like that. I can see the move in Reggie. Uh, uh, see, it, matter of fact, I don't have beef with Reggie Bullock. I have beef with the coaching staff. Because you should have put Knox in the day after trade deadline, and he should have been playing 30 minutes per game, period. It should have been no reason why I've seen this man not playing 30 minutes per game. His defense has improved this season, and his, all, and, and his passing has improved this season. So he's not actually lost on defense anymore. I don't want to see the Knicks trading young talent. We already went through this last season with Frank Nilekina with all of the rumors. And then Frank comes out this season and he showed us he's improved, that he wants to be here. Keep the young guys on the roster. We have not re-signed a rookie since 1994, Charlie Ward. And I'm hoping and praying that Frank Nilekina is the first to break that curse. I don't see no trades happening. I don't see Devin Booker being on the market. Because if you're the Suns, why the hell am I trading my only guy who attracts fans into the stands. I'm not doing that. Bradley Bill. The Wizards is not trading Bradley Bill because him and John Wall just publicly said that they want to play together. So I don't see that either. Buddy Hill, why would I want a guy who pouted when he was sent to the bench and then still flourished while he was on the bench? I'm good on Buddy Hill. He's 28, plays no defense. I, 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 my fault, bro. I just had to rant real quick. I'm just <laughs> sick of the nonsense as far as Kevin Knox is concerned. Mitchell Robinson, on the other hand, just improve your – well, Mitchell Robinson and Kevin Knox, improve your fucking offense for next season. Maybe that ties into the Knicks getting a, uh, a point guard in this year's draft. But what's your take on those two? Okay, so um, Knox is kind of – He's hard to gauge still. It's uh, he's still very young. Um, he's kind of had he uh, in his first season, he had an awful lot to do. He played a lot of minutes. Um, he had to, he got maybe too many shots. Um, <laughs> and this this season, he was kind of more of like a role, like a spot up shooter. Um, when the offense kind of broke down, um, yes. which I don't think was ideal either. Nope. So, I like. I would like to see like a middle ground 
um, so we can actually kind of find out a little bit more what exactly Knox is and what his role is going to be. Um, I'm not sold on him as an NBA player just yet. Um, but, you know, I'm willing to give him time and see what happens unless, like, unless you get blown away in a trade. You know, like a tra- if uh, if he has to be included in a trade, um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily miss him. Um, but, like, I'm not, I'm not giving... Yeah, like I don't know. Like, like I said, I'm very much about um, continuing the rebuild and trying to get a high pick next year. So I'm, I'm not really about bringing on um, like a, a Beal or a, you know, like if if Booker was available, I, I'd probably take him. But I, I don't think that he is. Um, you know, like there is certain, there is certain players. Like if, if we can, you know, get them. Like there was the whole thing about the uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, which I didn't really make much of. But if we could hypothetically get like a Donovan Mitchell, you know, I, I get a Donovan Mitchell. You know, it's not like it's not like rebuild by any means. Um, you know, by any means necessary. If if the right opportunities become available, you have to be able to change your uh, your uh, trajectory as as a team. Um, so like, you know, I, I have no problem with keeping Knox and kind of seeing how he develops. Um, at the same time, like if, if a good trade becomes available, you, you just, you take it, um, with Mitch, uh, I am very much in favor of trading Mitch, um, because like you said, he is going (laughs) to be, uh, basically he's going to be a free agent this coming summer so like uh, sorry the you know 2021 summer this time next year he'll he'll be a free agent um so there is quite a, sh- a shortened window now where if he is going to be overpaid overpaid which i think he is uh that you kind of need to get him shipped out i don't necessarily think you need to move him for a you know like a, a star i think you can move him for, you know, multiple picks or a young player in a pick to kind of just keep the rebuild. It's not necessarily starting over. It's more like recycling of, uh, you know, a young asset into another young asset or more young assets. Um, Basically, this whole, I think it's a fallacy that Mitch is going to be this Kevin Durant, uh, Anthony um, Davis-esque player. I don't really care what he does in uh, in highlight films. Um, you know, he's not shown a thing on the court that he has any ability to do these things that we see him doing against non-NBA talent in, you know, selected clips uh, in a gym over the summer. Um, he, sh- he shot, I think, about 56% on his free throws, you know, open shots. Um from the line. So I don't necessarily know that he's going to turn into this player that's able to stretch the floor and consistently shoot threes. He was reluctant to take any shots outside of the paint, you know, outside of dunks and lobs. He was left wide open. And, you know, I heard people saying basically like, oh, it's because the the Knicks didn't want him taking those shots. Well, if you think that you have this hidden stretch five uh, that just needs opportunities to like unlock his his ability, and you're down by, you know, the Knicks were down by like they were frequently down by like thirty points in games, and your center <laughs> is being left wide open. 
I don't think you're going to be benched if you take an open shot. You know, like yeah. that's why your your offense your offense is working to get open shots. So if you have any confidence in Mitch as a shooter, you don't mind him taking an open shot from anywhere from the mid range from three. So it's very much. Um, it's very much an unproven thing that Mitch is ever going to be this stretch five. Um, and I do think he's about to be overpaid because he has broken Will Chamberlain's field goal uh, record. He's been top. He, he was second top. He was second in the league in blocks last season. I'm not 100% sure what he is this season, but I think he's, he's again, he's at least top 10 in blocks. He's a clutch client uh you know, so I think Rich Paul is yep. he's known known for getting his players paid. You look at like Tristan Thompson, who's on about eighteen million dollars a year, um, and is I think at the time at least was seen as a significantly less valuable player than Mitch was, although he was part of a you know a championship contender. Like if you go and you look at through a lot of the centers that are making. You know, the, any center that's making over ten million a season, um, there is a lot of centers that have been overpaid based on um, this idea of like potential that just never came to, it never came to light. So, I'm I am in favor of trading Mitch. I I was on the fence previously, but you know, I I'm I'm actually I'm totally behind it now. Uh, so. I would definitely, if I was the Knicks, I would definitely be exploring trade options. It depends. You know, not that you I, give, I not, not that you, but not that you give him away. Like, I'm not saying just like, you know, for anything, get rid of Mitch. And, you know, like, obviously you need to be smart about it. Uh, I, this is all with the presumption that the Knicks are actually going to do due diligence and see if they can actually get something good in return for him. You know, I'm not saying just, just throw him away for like a second round pick or anything like that. You know, you need to, you need to actually go and explore the market and just and make sure it makes sense, whatever deal you do, you know, because he does have value. Um, I do think he's a valuable player. Um, nah, he, he definitely is. I, it's just, when you're looking at the NBA right now, it's like, when the last time a center best player on a championship roster? It's been like nine years. And it's like, the value and sense, like, you can always Top blocker, rim protector. That's what Mitch is right now. He's very elite at that. Very elite. And you, I can't take that away from him. The thing is, two things that scare me. I don't want to pay Mitch too early and he becomes complacent. He becomes, He's still the same player he was his rookie year. Because he didn't really – he improved from his rookie year into his second year. But all I seen was the same guy. I've seen the same dunks and lobs. His his first season and his second season are eerily similar. So it's like the first season he uh, he was having serious foul trouble, um, and he kind of was he was unable to stay on the court. And at the start of this season, it was identical. And the start of each season, he started kind of slowly. Um, he didn't play particularly well. And then in the second half of this season and his rookie season, he kind of exploded. Um, and like even last season, like I would have, uh, there's a tweet, I think, floating out there somewhere for me that I said Mitchell Robinson was the best player on the Knicks last season. But again, it is on like, that was a 17-win team. 
Um, you know, like if you look at some of the players like that are on just crazy amounts of money, like, you know, like you have like the likes of um, Miles Plumley, uh, the lesser of the Plumley brothers, like got paid 12 and a half million, you know, to be out of the, out of the league. I think he's, I think he's a bench player on the, on the Hawks. Like, do you look at some of the players like, you know, um, Kelly Olinick and Cody Zeller, Ian Mahimi, uh, Gorju Deng. Oh my Bismarck Biz, Biombo. Like oh all these goodness. players, all these players are on like, you know, north of 14 million a year. Like there's, it's just, it's, it, you do not want to, con- especially when the cap is going to fall because of the whole coronavirus um, situation, the cap is likely going to drop dramatically. You don't want to commit a huge amount of cap to a center that is very much, um, you know, I think he's playing close to his full potential, honestly. I, I don't think there's this huge upside that other pe- players um, or other people see in him. I think Mitch is what he is close enough like you he will improve in some areas but it I, just I I I kind of disagree only only to the fact that Mitch he has the potential chance to be the best player on this roster that is a fact well, he might already be the best player on the roster but it's it's a bad roster <laughs> it, it's, it is this roster stinks oh my goodness this roster stinks I'm not we're not even going to get into what I hate about this roster but um, Mitch, his defense is already there, so I don't even have to. I'm not. I'm not even mentioning defense. It's the offense. It's the offense and the position he plays. He plays the center position. That's a position that I need my big to space the floor. When I, when my main guys are driving to the lane, R.J. Barrett, uh, Frank Nelikina. Kevin Knox, when my young boys are driving into the lane, I need them to have space. They need space. When R.J. Barrett was driving to the lane this season, I don't think he's ever had a clear lane because you got Julius Randle sitting in his big caboose on the left side of the lane, and you got Mitchell Robinson just sitting there in the paint, and these kids need space, man. That's my only thing. Mitchell Robinson shooting the ball improves himself but it also improves the roster and it improves the offense, which was ranked dead last. And I'm sick, really sick of the Knicks being dead last in assists. I'm sick of the Knicks being dead last in offensive efficiency. Dudes was arguing with me all year about Alfred Payton. I don't want to hear I don't ever want to see him in a Knicks jersey ever again. <laughs> him, Randall, Portis, I don't ever want to see those guys in Knicks jerseys again. Trey Randall. Give a damn what you trade Randy for, but he needs to be off this team. You need a a, a, a floor spacer. If Mitch not going to space the floor, I damn sure need a floor that's going to space the floor. Something got to get. Uh, well, I imagine the Knicks are going to go after uh, a stretch four in in free agency if they don't draft one. Um, oh, Carmelo Anthony, you know he's coming back. I'm not, I'm already... He's he's probably coming back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm already I, I don't know if, if uh, Carmelo. Uh, uh, you know, he, he probably would help actually, like, from my perspective, I'd probably be pretty happy with it because I do think we'd probably have a pretty bad record if Carmelo's are starting for next season. Um, I don't think he fits the mold of stretch four at, what is he, he 35, do, turning 36? 
He can. He can. Yeah, he, he can. can. But not not on a good team. <laughs> he was. He just I think was he on a good team. He just was. Uh, he was a he was a role player. He played with no, he no, played with Damian Lillard and yes, he shot like he had like a fifty three percent true shooting from last season. Like he he did like he he did okay. He did fine. He but don't tell off. me that. Yeah, he had a year off. You, you he had a year off. A mellow hater and guys like Drag is getting contracts in the NBA. We can't we we can't do this. We can't. I'm do not this. a mellow hater. Disrespect. I love I love Mello, but Mello is going to be turning thirty six years old. All right, okay, and he's turning thirty six, so he should realize I'm not the man anymore. Oh, right? So he should. Will he? <laughs> On this team, you think Mello isn't going to get? You know, you think like this is going to be if Mello does come back, it's going to be the Mello farewell tour. So like to think he's going to sit back. It's it's regardless. It's going to be the mellow farewell tour. It's either going to be that he's back for a year, and it's going to be his farewell as a Nick, uh, or it's going to be that he's back for two years, and we're going to basically have uh, what we had with Dwayne Wade and Dirk, and what Paul Pierce tried to have. We're going to have with Mellow, where it's he's going to be the center of attention for every for every game. Like I'm not not totally against bringing Mellow back. I'm not like I'm not trying to hate on Melo. I I have his jersey upstairs. I I do like Melo. He's one of my favorite players of all time. He's top five. I just would have some concerns. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not really concerned about it because I got a kid named R.J. Barrett in the back pocket where I know this kid is going to be a dog, and I need the. It's a, it's a couple reasons why I want Carmelo Anthony. But the one reason why I want Carmelo Anthony, he has to teach my young guys some moves, especially Kevin Knox. Oh, my God. Teach him a jab step, the step back mid-range jumper. Just just teach the young guys some moves. I, I think he knows that he wouldn't be coming here and he wouldn't be asked to take 20 shots a game. I think he would know that. Oh, he'd be no. I'm not saying that he would take 20 shots a game, but he would be. He could very much end up like a Marcus Morris figure on no, this team no, again. No, where no, he, no, 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 no. I, just, I no. We ain't gonna I, disrespect Melo like that. <laughs> we ain't gonna do that. I can't do that. I can't allow you to do that. No. Okay, I, I can. I can see to you. You win. Bring Melo back. I'd be happy. I, I like. I. I like. I said. I. A part of me would be very happy. I do love Mello. I just think his time with the Knicks ended. It didn't end very glamorously either. By the end of it, a lot of people wanted Mello out because he was starting to go into a decline even at the end of his Knicks tenure. So, you know, I'm not against, I'm not completely against it. Not completely against it. I just, you know, I'm not sure it's the best idea. No, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of options. You got Bertans. You got Christian Wood. You got Kevin Knox. You can put at that spot. You got uh, Gallinari. It's a couple guys you can put at. I just don't want to watch Julius Randle no more. That that I, I I don't give a damn who's in that spot. I get the I get the feeling that the Knicks will try and move him. It's just a a hunch. Yeah, I I, I do too. Off, only off the fact that 
the article that Mark Berman put out when he said when RJ Barrett was mainly mentioned and it said that he complained about Randall holding the ball, you don't want to bring that back into the locker room. Is it the the chemistry just not there? So I think it would be in the best interest for the Knicks to move a man who shot 260-plus threes and only made 27% of his fucking threes and continued to shoot threes and still was bricking, spinning in the four people in the I, oh my, I, I never want to watch him again, yo, in the Knicks jersey. I, I swear to God. I think he could he could very well be back, um, but I, I actually – I mentioned on the last time I was on this podcast that I think he could potentially get moved before the deadline – um, into next season, I, I wouldn't be shocked, but I would be a little surprised if he is still a Knicks player this time next year. I, I, <laughs> I just couldn't see it. But um, I guess we got. I guess we got into mostly everything. I guess. I guess we um. Any last words you got for the people before we get out of here? I guess, I, I guess we got into everything so far. Uh, yeah, just, um, you know, I'm, I'm not an, uh, an American and, you know, I'm not only am I white, I'm Irish. So I'm kind of like only just like a shade away from like Scandinavian. I'm incredibly (laughs) white, but, um, I just want to say that, um, you know, I've been very active on, on Twitter lately, you know, supporting like the whole, trying to support the whole Black Lives Matter movement and things like that. Um, I, I'm. It's hard to watch what's going on in the states at the moment, um, and just my heart goes out to to everyone there that's been affected by this. Um, you know, I hope that all of this um, that we're seeing happening in the streets in in the U.S. is going to lead to some kind of uh, positive change, um, because you know I think this is this is the perfect time to do it, where everyone around the world really is uh, focused on on what's happening in the US and I just hope that you know like we can make the most of it um and actually get a little bit closer to equality. Yeah. That yeah. Well said. Well said. I I feel the same way. I'm just hoping that we can get some some goddamn basketball, man. I know everything that's going on. I feel Kyrie and what he's talking about as far as players just not playing the rest of the season. It's morally right. But a lot of us also would like to see some type of basketball to get our minds off of what's currently happening in life right now. Just a little friendly distraction I think a lot of us need, especially the kids, the teenagers. A lot of kids need something to just keep them in the house, keep them out of trouble. But, you know, keep protesting. Alex, I appreciate your love and your support, especially you on Twitter, everything that you've been saying the past few few weeks, people like me, who's African-American, appreciate everything, man. Appreciate the love. Nick Nation, I appreciate the love. Alex, appreciate you coming on here as a guest once again. Hopefully, we could definitely do this again um, before the draft lottery or draft lottery night when we finally know when we got our pick, we could definitely had that conversation about who we should draft. And, yeah, man, uh, Nick Nation, man, I'm out of here, man. It's your boy, Slizzy, State of the New York Knicks podcast. Peace.